You're listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign. everyone, we're back with another episode of Talk Daredevil, the Daredevil podcast brought to you by the Save Daredevil campaign. And before we get into what we're going to be talking about, uh, I'd love to introduce the team members that are joining me. Hey guys, it's Lauren. Hello everyone, it's Sam. And today we are going to be talking the love interests of Daredevil. Now we know that this can be a very charged topic. Uh, we understand people have their faves, people have their ships. Uh, we just want to make it super clear right off the bat that this conversation today will not be about your fave ships and we're not going to be pitting um, these women against each other. What we do want to do, though, is talk about just the history of the love interest that Daredevil has had and you know, talk about what really worked and didn't work about what we saw on the show. And we're going to start out by breaking down a little bit of mass romantic history, and then we're going to go into talking more deeply about um, what we saw in the series and, you know what, what we might hope to see when the show hopefully comes back and when these women also come back in live action. Today, we're going to start off running through a little bit of the comics history, because I think if there's one thing people kind of know about Daredevil... (laughs) for better or for worse, is that he does have a very storied history of relationships in his comics. And I think starting there also helps to provide a little bit of context for how his romantic relationships were written in the comics in the past. Um, And, you know, we're also going to touch on, obviously, a couple of people that do make it over to the show. So we're probably going to save Karen and Electra for last because they're kind of the biggest ones on our list, but we're going to go through sort of a short list of notable relationships in chronological order. And I think I'm going to have Lauren, I'm going to have you start with Black Widow. Yeah. So I actually read some of the early Black Widow issues um, recently. I have not read their entire relationship, but um Yeah, it was really cool because I did not realize that she actually co-headlined. It was Daredevil and the Black Widow um, for quite a while while they were in San Francisco. Um, I have a lot of mixed feelings about their relationship. Black Widow is a great character, but she is also a product of the times that she was written in the 70s. I mean, I would say especially for this, when this relationship happened in her, her comics history, it's probably quite reflective of the times. Obviously, there have been many very different Black Widow stories told since. (laughs) Definitely, yeah. And she's grown as a character. And after they lived in San Francisco together, they do a lot more team-ups through the years. And it was definitely interesting seeing their relationship grow. You know, her, her relationship with Matt was interesting because they actually moved to San Francisco and lived together, which was so taboo um, at the time. And they they get away with it because he actually lives on a different floor than she does <laughs> with the chauffeur. <laughs> um, but, you know, th- I mean, they, they work well together. They fight a lot of bad guys. Um, I mean, you know, there's a lot of issues with just, you know, how she's portrayed um, in those early comics that, you know, she kind of almost like knows her place as a woman, kind of under Daredevil, you know, 
she is called princess, kiddo, <laughs> little lady, sweetheart. Oh, <laughs> and, you know, just like uh, Matt is a little condescending to her um, a lot of the times and eventually kind of gets tired of it and sticks up for herself. And, you know, they end up moving on. And um, I was just reading the Marvel Knights team up from 2000. And, you know, it was interesting because they work, they actually worked really good together. In the story, he is, you know, actually, he's blind, he doesn't have his senses, so he doesn't know where anything is. And she just falls in line and just helps him. And they are such a good team uh, working together. And, um, she does throw in a couple darlings, which I love. Like they still have, you know, a relationship. Like, like you could tell they they still like care about each other, but mm-hmm. know that that's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, I, I love Matt and Natasha, but uh, you know, it would have been interesting to see their relationship maybe not portrayed when it was written, like right. by you know, written in the seventies. I mean, overall, you know, I really, I do enjoy their relationship. It was pretty, you know, like healthy for for what it was. And it's just, you know, sometimes I'm reading and I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) But um, but overall, like, she was a great partner for Matt. And I will go back and like read more of their relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, to go to something that maybe is not as healthy, we're going to skip over Electra. Uh, but the next big relationship that comes into Matt's life after Electra, even though he is at this time currently dating Karen, um, yeah. it's Typhoid Mary or Mary Walker. I believe she's introduced near the end of the 80s, late 80s. She's a creation of Annie Nocenti. And um, there's a lot going on with her. Yeah, She, is, she has dissociative identity disorder. It's very interesting because I believe there is a bit of her history that was sort of retconned after the Frank Miller Man Without Fear miniseries. In that story, he pushes a prostitute at a brothel window. And I think later on, they sort of retcon that to be her. So oddly enough, before they even officially meet in her comics, apparently there is this already pre-existing thing where Matt sort of pushes her mental illness further, which is a little bit... mm. Um, and so, you know, the broad strokes is that she is already working as an assassin for Kingpin. Kingpin uses her Mary Walker persona to start a relationship with Matt. And while she's in, when she's in Typhoid Mary role, is messing with Daredevil. At the same time as all of this, um, he is apparently, I have not read those comics recently, but I know you have. He is dating Karen and mm-hmm. really is a huge dick to her. <laughs> it's like yep, doing a whole mess yep. with everything. And ultimately, <laughs> Karen finds out that Matt has been having this affair with Mary slash Typhoid. And it's a lot. It is. What are your thoughts since you're a little bit more recent? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I should. I, I want to go back to Black Widow for a second. Okay, because yeah. actually, like, right before they moved to San Francisco, he's dating Karen. Oh, no. Or, like, she, she goes to be... Um, <laughs> She comes back. She's trying to be an actress. And mm-hmm. basically, they're like, these two lives don't work. She walks away. He literally <laughs> walks away with Black Widow. And she's like, you know, go, Black Widow. You can be a better uh, partner for him. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, you literally walked from one woman's arms to another. And then so you fast forward to Typhoid, Mary, and... um here he is, like, with Karen mm. and I kissing don't, Mary. I, I don't like this uh, pattern they're establishing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, whew. 
But um, yeah, so I will say I, you know, I haven't read a ton of of, of Typhoid Mary, but mm-hmm. definitely an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there was a lot going on in what Nacenti was trying to do with her especially with the mental illness, the way that her alters were representing very like extreme characterizations of different types of women, you know, because Mary was supposed to be quiet and meek and typhoid was very like violent and lustful. There's a whole like aversion horror thing going yeah. on there yeah. and then how that affects me. So, you know, then there's this whole aspect though of like, because typhoid has um, certain powers that are like mind control powers. So yeah. There's this whole like overlying thing where is she doing this against Matt's will? It's like there. Yeah, there's a lot. So she goes on to have a very long history elsewhere, but she does make it on this list as a very notable. Yeah. <laughs> ex-girlfriend, I guess. It would have been interesting to see what they would have done because she she does eventually come into live action. She she was um, featured on Iron Fist season two, and she was quite different than she is in the comics. So it would have been interesting to see how that would have carried over to Daredevil. But that's typhoid. <laughs> yeah. So the next person that I would like to talk about is Echo Maya Lopez. I'm a huge fan of Echo, um, and it's interesting because I feel like. The way they kind of play her character is a little like Typhoid Mary, Mm. where she, Maya Lopez and Matt meet Mm -hmm. and Mm, they really hit it off. And and again, I should mention that she's kind of a rebound. Um, Karen has just died. Oh, no. So everybody keeps revolving around Karen. (laughs) But yeah, so Karen just died. So he Mm -hmm. meets Maya and they do not know that you know each other is powered so they really have a nice relationship it's really cute in the beginning it's so cute and you know they go to the movies Mm -hmm. and they talk through it and it's just like i really enjoyed it um there's the echo parts of a whole by uh by joe casada and david mack um, but then you find out that she's Echo mm-hmm. and she has this whole history with Kingpin and he's using her as he did with Typhoid mm-hmm. to try to ruin Matt. Right. And so there's definitely some some parallels there. Yeah, yeah. As far as relationships go on this list, this one's pretty short. You know, ultimately Daredevil convinces Echo, you know, because uh, the whole thing is that kingpin is her adoptive father and makes yeah. her think that daredevil killed her real father but it was actually kingpin that killed her father mm-hmm. so that's why she has this whole vendetta against daredevil when daredevil reveals himself to be matt you know ultimately he's able to convince her that hey it wasn't me um and then i think from there they sort of part ways overall like i mean it, it ended well mm-hmm. and um for what it was like maya and matt i feel like had a pretty like it was a pretty healthy relationship so now we're going to get into a couple civilians. Oh yeah. On on Matt's list. Um the first one being Mila Donovan, who is introduced during um Bendis's Bendis's very acclaimed Daredevil run. Yes. Um they have a very uh traditional meet cute where she's being saved by Daredevil because uh, she's about to get hit by a truck. <laughs> yes. And Daredevil saves her, of course. <laughs> um and I want to say, because it's been a little bit of time since I've read it, but I want to say this is a, at the same time where all the rumors are going around that Matt is Daredevil. And so I think she goes to thank him. Um, and she's like very forward about 
her intentions. Like, oh, yeah, she's like really digging him, um, which is really cool because it's like she kind of she like knows who he is and kind of she knows what she wants. And mm-hmm. of course, the most interesting thing that I haven't mentioned yet is that Mila is blind. Um, yeah. So kind of along the same lines as Echo, you know, actually seeing him in a relationship with someone who has um, a shared disability was a very interesting one. But I think that this does pose a lot of um, issues for their relationship, both because she isn't powered and she's just a regular person by nature of her being involved with Matt and Matt having a lot of targets on his back as Daredevil. uh, She ends up in very frequent peril. Matt and Mila do get married, which is very mm-hmm. notable for the relationship. But then yes. Mila then tries to annul her marriage to Matt because she believes he's suffering a nervous breakdown over da-da-da, Karen's death <laughs> um, and believes that he only married her as a rebound. You know, there's a lot. And then ultimately she goes crazy because um, she, I believe, is subjected to is it Mr. Fear or Dr. Fear? I don't remember. It's Mr. Fear. Mr. Fear's, uh, his fear gas. Um, and she ultimately gets committed to like a mental institution and they eventually get divorced. Yeah. This, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. I feel really bad for Mila. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot <laughs> that happens to her that. Yeah. Did you like Mila? I think that I I liked Mila as a character. Um, I liked that she was presented as someone very different from what we had Mm -hmm. seen um, in his life, in his love life before. I didn't like her as much just because she was always in danger. She was a bit of a liability, um, which sounds kind of mean, but it was also kind of true because there's a lot going on. And ultimately, it does kind of like F her over (laughs) at the end, her being with Matt, which is unfortunate. She is a character, though, that I would be really interested in seeing in live action mm-hmm. um, yeah. because I think there's just a lot of different ways they can go about handling her that I don't think were necessarily handled in the best way in the comics, just kind of out of necessity or times or just, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I liked her. I feel the same. I do feel like sometimes she was just like, you know, a damsel in distress a lot. But yeah, I mean, you know, her story is so tragic Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, you do see, I feel like Matt trying to kind of forge a life, you know, marrying his two sides together. It's like, Mm. okay, you know, she knows he's daredevil and like, let's get married. We love each other. Um, And it just it just kind of falls apart and for, for, you know, various reasons and then obviously ends in tragedy. But um you know, I did enjoy seeing him try to really, like, carve out something normal. Um, but, yeah, I would really – it would be interesting to see her again, you know, written for the 2020s, what kind of character she would be. I think when she came about, it was, what, early 2000s, maybe? Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot a lot has changed. 2003. Okay, like wow. when the Daredevil movie <laughs> Oh my gosh. (laughs) Right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2003. Um, So um, my, when it comes to the show, I I feel like I tend to just, you know, I mean, I love both Karen and Electra, but in the comics, like Kirsten, I feel like is a favorite for me. I, 
um, during Wade's run, you meet Kirsten. She is, is she an assistant DA? Assistant DA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she's assistant DA. And I mean, she just calls (laughs) Matt on his crap right away. She's just like, your daredevil. It was the worst kept secret in New York right. City, but right. she's just not having any of it. She's like, you're yeah. daredevil. And yeah. it's really cute how they like go she's back like, and forth. Super and- flirty, really cute. They have a really fun bantery yeah. dynamic. I really but liked her when I first I did read too. her. She's, but you know, it's like she was strong and she could hold her own mm-hmm. and, you know, wasn't, wasn't looking for Matt to save her or anything mm-hmm. weird. You know, she right. is a civilian and, you know, it was really cool to see, you know, another attorney. She is his equal. Right. You know, we, we've already seen, you know, him have kind of relationships, him, you know, meeting his equals in powers, you know, other powered people. But, you know, here you have kind of an intellectual equal in that way that they're both attorneys. You know, she's clearly very intelligent and, um, you know, doing things like that. And, you know, to bring the parallels back, they end up going to San Francisco, <laughs> um, which was so cool. Um, I really loved their time in San Francisco. But I will say one of Matt's greatest mistakes was not telling her that he is Daredevil um, when the Purple Children wipe everybody's memory, mm-hmm. um, which I'm doing a shout out to Chip. Chip, <laughs> listen, please, please break this. Matt needs to tell Kirsten she's back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> please. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm also, like, a little torn because he's kind of, like, involved with Elektra. Well, not, like, totally. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's also, spoiler alert for the comics, like, in jail and stuff, you know. <laughs> but um, but <laughs> yeah. he was, you know, leading up to that, had some involvement with her. So, but it is frustrating, yeah. though, because she had, she's come back a couple times now. She came back in, mm-hmm. there was a little mini series uh, between the Charles yep. Soule run and Chip's run. Um, where she pops in there and she has come back um, in this latest run to provide legal help to Daredevil. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, just tell her. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really hoping that happens. Um, And, you know, I don't necessarily need them to rekindle their relationship Mm -hmm. or even right away or, you know, you know, I just love her. I loved how they interacted together mm-hmm. and it wasn't always just like it wasn't always angst and it wasn't yeah. always drama and it was again in considering the range that he's gone through she's very healthy it was a healthy relationship you kind of do want that for Matt you know ultimately yeah. yeah you really do and you know it's funny because so many times you know the girls need Matt Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite moments uh, in the comics in Wade's run, mm-hmm. after meeting with the Purple Children, um, they kind of unlock some deep buried feelings, mm-hmm. um, depression. And yeah. he goes and he lays on his bed and he tells mm-hmm. her, like, you know, I don't want to talk. Um, and he texts her or maybe calls yeah. and is like, hey, I want to talk. And she's sitting outside his door and she's yeah. like, I never left. And mm-hmm. I'm like. Oh, my gosh. That was a great, that was a great moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a great moment. And just like, you know, she she was there for him and like she just knew. And, you know, I just I really like Kristen. I love to see mm-hmm. the comics bring her back yeah, more regularly. For sure. OK, so now we're going to go into our big two. 
because they do oh, yeah. transition directly into um, our conversation about the show. But let's start with Karen Page. Karen. So Karen's been there from day one. Oh, yeah. Day Issue one. one. <laughs> All the way back in the 60s. Karen, I think a lot of people know sort of the basic beats about Karen, right? She was mm-hmm. a secretary, um, has had an on and off and on and off and on and off thing with Matt through all of those years uh, that she's been in the comics until she's she meets her very um, controversial and untimely demise in Guardian Devil at the hands of Bullseye. Oh. But, you know, there's a lot that's going on in the middle there. You know, anyone that is a fan of um, Frank Miller and born, remember her from Born Again, where at that point in time she is – you know, a porn actress and a heroin addict, you know, selling out Matt for a fix um, in various other parts of, you know, the timeline. She is a regular actress. Um, she's a she's working at a radio station. Um, she's an activist. So she really is. We kind of talked about this with Black Widow, how that relationship and her character in the seventies was written very specifically to the seventies. You can kind of tell because she's been there from like the sixties to the nineties, mm-hmm. how she changes depending on who's handling her. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of, uh, the commonality in her history is that she tends to get screwed over, uh, yeah. by Matt, <laughs> um, time and again, and not treated terribly well. Even by the end, it's such, you know, I think right before that she was hosting this radio show, um, you know, that ends up being like the bad guys are running the station or whatever. But even at the end, it's like she's being tricked by Mysterio and thinking she has AIDS, kind of a callback to her porn and drug days. And it's like Mm -hmm. we're we're still calling back to those those points in her history (laughs) before then she gets killed by Bullseye, which is like such a sucky one. It's just right. so, such an awful way to go. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, to make it very clear, people who know a lot about Karen from the comics, I think what the show has done with her is like far and away so oh, yeah. much better. Yeah. <laughs> like, I actually started with the show. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I started with the movie and she right. just like makes like a tiny little yeah. blip, you know, appearance. Yeah. Right. right. And so actually when I started the show, I did not even realize that she was mm. like a thing. Yeah. And so, I, you know, it was very exciting to see their relationship blossom in the show. So when I started going to the the comics, I was, to be honest, like I was just so disappointed because I mm-hmm. feel like now granted, I, I have skipped a I had skipped a lot of chunks um, in the comics. I had actually started with Frank Miller. And it was just like, oh, she's a drug addict. Oh, she has AIDS, which she didn't. But, you know, it was just like, you know, I felt like there was a lot of missed opportunities with her in the comics. Um, yeah. Well, there's a very, like, the misogyny is very strong. Yeah. Toward her. And it, it is, you know, again, also like a a product of the times, like Mm -hmm. particularly when Frank Miller was writing. Um, I don't know if I want to put this hot take out, but you know, it's not like, it's not like women were written very subtly in the 80s. Um, So (laughs) I don't think much of anything was subtle in the 80s. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So I actually, um, I knew that Karen was going to die in Guardian Mm -hmm. Devil. um, Mm -hmm. And as much as, that pained me. I do feel like that 
what you would call like a fixed point. Right. Um, it happened. I feel like that is a, a people don't stay dead in comics, you know, especially powered people. But I feel like this is a moment that has been so um, just changing for Matt. You know, mm-hmm. you can agree with it or not, but I just right. feel like she needs to stay to stay dead right. probably i yeah. mean that's just kind of my i mean of course if she comes back i she, well she's well, come back as a ghost i think she came back yeah. as a ghost a few years ago which was a little weird yeah she's definitely still someone who is important to matt like he will call back to her yeah in later comics clearly she has a very long and lingering effect on yes. his life but yeah i think that they might have done all that they could do with karen in Daredevil's world, I'm sure there would have been a different way of handling her. Yeah. It didn't ultimately, again, end in frishing her to just make a point for Matt. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it is what it is. And I'm really glad that we have live action to sort of fix some of the, not mistakes necessarily, but just to fix some of the things that really didn't work about her in the comics. So, yeah, I agree. And I am. Um... I also read Daredevil Yellow, which Mm. it's basically like a whole letter um, to Karen. And, you know, that was written in, I guess, early 2000s. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure what date. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, I liked it. You know, he's going back thinking through Mm -hmm. their relationship. Mm -hmm. And I did feel like, like, I just felt like it was just such like a beautiful tribute to Karen and I don't know, gave a nice cohesive like arc of like, you know, kind of what their relationship was. Um, maybe skipping over <laughs> a lot of the drama. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she has definitely had a lasting impact. And I think she also um, she shows up in the uh, the Man Without Fear mm-hmm. uh, mini yeah. um, after Soul. Yeah. Um, you know, he's dreaming of her. and Right, right, right. So, last but not least, Electra Nachos. Um, yes. She is introduced between Black Widow and Typhoid, chronologically speaking, in the early 80s. She's introduced then as a college sweetheart. She's very, like, sweet and naive. And um, because her father gets killed, she ends up on this whole path where Matt cannot follow. This actually is retconned ultimately in the Frank Miller Man Without Fear miniseries that comes out in the early 90s where they still meet in college. But Electra is sort of rewritten to already be very like dark and mysterious, although mm-hmm. their relationship there also ends very similarly to her comics origin. So, you know, as far as her as a character, you know, Frank Miller conceived her really to be sort of this daredevil soulmate. You know, she's a mysterious assassin who was trained by Stick in the chase, you know, very much the same as Matt, but kind of falls in with the hand. Um, In the comic, she is sort of reintroduced into Matt's life when they're both, you know, adults. And you get a lot of familiar beats where she's maybe trying to reconcile, but he can't accept the fact that she's a killer and then they do end up working together to take down the hand. But then afterwards, Elektra is hired as Kingpin's chief assassin, which is putting her directly against Daredevil. Um, but she ultimately can't kill Foggy, which I believe Kingpin was was tasking her to kill Foggy. She couldn't do it. Ends up fighting Bullseye. Ends up being killed by Bullseye on her own side. Dies in Matt's arms. Mm, you know, come on, Bullseye. <laughs> Bullseye and Matt's all, arms. For, 
for what it's worth, as if Bullseye really could have done that. But, you know, for the purposes right? of the story, she had to. Then she's later resurrected by Matt, even though Matt doesn't realize that. And then she sort of disappears into the ether because I believe at that point, Frank Miller wanted to retire her. Now, it's so interesting because Electra, the character, is so fascinating. And it's mm-hmm. so cool to see someone who like knew Matt before he was Daredevil and then is still kind of his toe-to-toe equal after, even though they're sort of like on opposite sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she is this prime example of, um, again, of fridging. She's here for this whole, what, 10 issues, and then is sort of very dramatically killed off by a man. What she gets is she gets to die in his arms, which is romantic in a way, but it's also like disappointing. Like, come on. So as far as that relationship goes, you know, it is interesting because she does come back in later comics in her own runs. You know, the relationship that she has with Matt continues to be sort of a touch point. It is the same for Matt, even though at different times they're sort of considered more enemies, you know, I would, you know, she is written as an anti-hero. She's not written as a straight up villain. But I think they've they've tried, a lot of different people have tried to do a different take on her where maybe her defining trait isn't just that she's a mysterious ninja. I think that Chip actually has been doing a pretty good job with her in um, his run. But yeah, in the comics, there are a lot of things that people assume about her because they knew of her first in the comics, you know, and that maybe carried over into her coming into live action and coming into the show. I'm not even going to mention the movie or her own movie because it kind of doesn't count really because it just wasn't a good Electra. But, you know, I, I think there was just like, oh, well, she's going to die now, right? Like she's she's got to be killed because that that's the purpose that she served in the comics mm-hmm. was that. That's still her most famous moment, right? Is yeah. that she was killed by Bullseye, even though actually her character itself is defined. She's like this top assassin. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Like, she's amazing. But her her defining moment is that she was killed. So it's a, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Karen's defining moment is she's killed. Yeah. She has two you defining know. moments that she sold out Matt for a fix. Yeah. And that yeah. she was killed. <laughs> so yeah. it's not great. So, you know, I am, I am. I enjoyed the comics for what they were, and I enjoyed that they were very Mm -hmm. key parts of Matt's history. But I am also very glad to see us moving those characters, even though they are considered legacy characters in the Daredevil canon. I'm I'm eager and happy to see them being moved away from that. We can add to that with the show and hopefully with future live action. Um, But yeah, I guess at this point, we can jump into talking about the love interest that we saw on the series. Yeah, well... In season one, we saw Claire Temple and Karen. Um, She had a budding relationship. She was definitely interested in Matt. In season two, you saw Electra and Karen. And then in season three, I feel like you saw a little bit of Karen, but I mean, there wasn't really any much love interest there. Yeah. Mostly season two. Season two is definitely love interest heavy. Yeah. So I think it it might make sense, you know, if they were all going to have a lot of thoughts about Electra and Karen. Um, But why don't we talk about Claire first, just because she is kind of the first love interest that we do have on the show. Um, And, you know, I think I find so I was a big Claire fan. I really enjoyed how they introduced her character. You know, she literally finds Matt in a dumpster. I love it. Love it. (laughs) Um, She takes no bullshit from him, like right away. Yeah. Um, When he's like trying to leave her apartment and she's like, where where are you going? <laughs> I love it. I love it. They already have like a like a good energy. Definitely. Um, and so I totally made a lot of sense to me 
that this was going to, you know, because Rosario Dawson is a beautiful woman and Charlie Cox is a very handsome man. It made mm-hmm. sense that, okay, this was probably going to become a thing, even though we already are aware of some history with Karen Page. You know, it's also very, it's very short-lived. And I think that that works for me overall, because again, we're going to get into Karen and Electra, but what I liked about Claire is that she doesn't come in with any baggage from the comics. Um, there isn't, although she is a character that has some comics background, she doesn't have an exist a pre-existing um, relationship with Matt. Um, and so she can kind of just do her own thing in the show without any expectations of like who she's supposed to be when she's with Matt, um, what Matt might be expecting from her. In that way, there was a lot of things that worked for me there. And even though I was sad that ultimately it didn't pan out into anything, I was also really happy that Claire could be like, you know what? You have a lot going on <laughs> right now in your life and you have a lot of stuff to figure out. And I don't think this is right for me right now. So I'm going to hear, be here to support you. As for the rest, I think you need to figure out yourself first. So I kind of appreciated that was the approach with Claire. Yeah, I really liked Claire. Um, I liked how she she was strong. She was confident. She was very knowledgeable. And yeah, she took no BS from from Matt from the very beginning. And, you know, we had some really sweet moments um, when he's stitching her up. And what I did like was after he saved her from... Uh, was it the Russians? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the um, the taxi cab place, right? Yeah. So after she, after he saved her from the ca- taxi cab place, they have a moment, and it doesn't go any farther. Mm-hmm. We don't end up in bed together. Mm-hmm. None of that. I feel like that could have easily been done in another show or just a different writer. And I'm really glad that they didn't take it that far because I feel like that would have just landed poorly and just almost kind of looked like Matt was, I don't know, using the situation or whatever. Like, I don't know. I just I always appreciated that, that there was a moment, but it didn't go any further. Mm -hmm. Sam, any thoughts about Claire? Well, I really like Claire. And I mean... She's just kind of my representation, so I also like have a kinship with her. And I really like her relationship with Matt because she's very much a mature, a mature person. And she's the one that is kind of like, even though they aren't really um, that apart in age, she's the one that is kind of guiding Matt and like reminding him, like, uh, you're going too far or you shouldn't be going there. And they are very sweet. Like, their moments are super sweet and I really enjoy them. But I actually prefer them much more as friends mm-hmm. because she's like there are not that many people in Matt's life that will step back and recognize the good that he's doing, like accept him as a whole, mm-hmm. but also like call him out on his bullshit. Because you know, yeah. you, we have like Foggy, but Foggy is always starting to get him to stop being their devil, like right. up until yeah. season three. So there's always that conflict. Mm-hmm. Claire is not, but she's like, okay, no, I can't be with you because of this, you know, very reasonable uh, reasons. But I really appreciate the role that she takes. That is like, yeah, I'm going to call you out on your bullshit, but I do hope you succeed on what you're trying to do. Right, I agree. So, so yeah, I'm I'm glad that they didn't um, that they went that way and not like a kind of rocking complicated relationship 
but I do think like their moments were super sweet and, and very heart touching. Yeah. And I think it helped to, and I think we'll get into this a little bit later. I helped that Claire got that space to develop a relationship with Matt where we could appreciate those moments where, you know, she's like, okay, don't, don't bullshit me right now. Intertwine with the sweet moments where he's kind of, this is like in the show verse, you know, the first time he's opened up to somebody in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and her being very, you know, seeing what he's done because she, she's seen the other side of it. Um, even though she doesn't, hasn't completely seen it for herself yet, at least until she gets kidnapped. Um, but yeah, you know, I do agree that they work much better as friends. And I think the biggest disappointment would be that once that thing kind of ended, the whole Claire storyline sort of just petered out as well. Yeah. Um, which I think is disappointing. Bring back Claire. Totally bring back Claire. But I think it's disappointing because I think it hints a little bit to how the writers on the show might have been viewing the utility of the women in his life. Like if it was almost a little bit like if they weren't going to be there romantically, then was there a point to having them be a big part of it at all? You know, obviously there are a lot of really amazing, interesting women on the show, but in this particular episode, we're talking about the women that have at some point become his love interests. And I think there is a bit of a different standard being put upon them there. And so unless anyone has any more thoughts, this might be a good time to jump into Electra, perhaps, and talk about what the show did really well with her um, as far as her characterization, especially in relation to Matt, and then maybe what it didn't do so well. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Would you like to start? Would I like to start? (laughs) (laughs) So if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, I am a huge fan of Electra. I have a weak spot for the dynamic of, you know, these two people share a history. Also, they're both badasses and, you know. I love a I love a couple that can fight together, you know, and also it's it's not just like emotions and lovey-dovey stuff, but they can also like be there for each other, like literally be there for each other. So, you know, when we had Electra on the show, um, her introduction was like, okay, she's so cool. <laughs> she's like breaking into his apartment, then showing up, then kind of here to like troll him and, you know, mess around with him a little bit because she can. And, you know, right off the bat, though, because of the way the season was structured, you know, we had those four episodes in the beginning where it was very Punisher focused, but you also saw this burgeoning thing going on with Karen. But the Karen thing goes straight into the Electra arc. And so right off the bat, they're sort of setting the stage for like, so this is going to be like a Karen versus Electra thing. And we are establishing Electra as the bad girl, mm-hmm. the one who's trying to get Matt given to all his vices and to like let the devil out. And then there's Karen who's like the one being portrayed as um, sweet and angelic and good. All the things that are good that Matt considers good are being represented in Karen. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So that was immediately apparent and a problem for me because it's, you know, I think in, in contrast to season one where that relationship had some space, um, there really wasn't any any of that here. We kind of just went in with Matt being pulled into two directions, you know, just to stay on the Electra track a little bit longer. 
I ultimately did enjoy the full arc where in the beginning, she's sort of portrayed as someone who has um, perhaps is at odds with Matt as far as what her own endgame is in this whole thing, you know, mm-hmm. but ultimately it works with him. They rediscover that they really enjoy working together, that they really complement each other. There is that yeah. big to do um, in the middle where she gets hurt. You know, and then he realizes that she's been lying to him and that there's betrayal and then she leaves, but she comes back. You know, she wants to be she wants to try to do the right thing ultimately by the end. And she does sacrifice herself um, and she dies very much like in the comics where she dies in his arms. So I, I can see the parts where, you know, they looked at the comics, they looked at that shared history, they brought some of that over, they tweaked some of it around. But ultimately, at the end, she's still this bad person who is trying to be good and tries to do a good thing and sacrifices her life for him. I think we could have done better. But I'm going to stop now. I'm going to let you guys jump in with some thoughts. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts about Electra too, because I like her a lot. And even Matt and Electra, like their relationship gives me a lot of feelings, even though it's not my preferred one. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not a fan of love triangles right off the mm-hmm. bat. Like, mm-hmm. I'm yeah, not a me fan. neither. No matter how you do it. It's a little lazy, ultimately, I think. So <laughs> I agree. And, and it doesn't give the characters the credit they deserve and stuff, because mm-hmm. like you said, they pitted uh, Electra versus Karen with like the good girl versus the bad girl, but Electra is much more than that, and Karen is much more than that too. And like you see that a bit, let's say like at the end of season two with Electra, and then you see also that in season three with Karen, like they're just much more complex than just like oh this this girl that is all pure and wants to bring the good things out of my like mm-hmm. Karen's not that really. She really and isn't. Electra, <laughs> Yeah, she is not. And Electra is also not just like this bad person that is trying to get all the vice out of Matt. Like you got that beautiful scene where she's like, I'm so glad I didn't snuff out the light out of you. Like mm-hmm. you have this light. And like she really wants to love and like seek that super nice part of Matt. She kind of doesn't know how to because of her background and stuff, but she's learning. So it's really not just like good versus evil. And I really wish they did um, these two characters, which are like legacy characters for Daredevil because they are they have been for the longest time the main like love interest of Matt. And I wish they have given them the time and space they deserve like they did with Claire because... We could have just, I don't know, given a whole season for the Karen fan to to work itself out and then have another season with Electra. Um, but yeah, we could have done a lot more, like a lot more with Electra. They freeze her twice, not once, yeah. twice in this show. So that yeah. is <laughs> I got thoughts about that too. I mean, the thing is that they wrote a very interesting Electra. Electra already came with a lot of interesting backstory from the comics. And so I, I, I like the things they adapted for the show where, you know, she's still with the chase. She's still actually like one of the good guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she trains with Stick. She's part of this organization that's trying to take down the hand. But she has a fascinating history because she's apparently orphaned. She's, you know, I'm not going to talk about the Black Sky thing because the Black Sky thing still makes zero sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she's a child soldier, Like, she was trained at a very young age to be adept at violence and to not care about people. And so there's all this really interesting stuff that you can start untangling 
about her as an adult reuniting with Matt, having to face certain things about herself, just basically questioning what she has been taught to do her entire life. And so the fact that it, that she gets so easily pushed into this category um, and that these assumptions are made about her, even though, again, what always never made sense to me was that she's on the same side as Stick. And even though Stick's methodology is not Matt's preferred way of handling things, Matt has never considered Stick a bad guy. So again, with these like different standards being put on Electra, perhaps because she is being used as kind of a romantic foil, you know, in some ways, and also because she needed to be the bad one to make this part of the story work with Matt, yeah. you know? Now that you mentioned, like, her background and stuff, mm -hmm. like, for things that really work for me with Electra and, and like, her relationship with Matt, it's exactly that background because mm -hmm. they both come from very troubled, you know, like, they were both trained by sticks, so they have like a more Electra than Matt, but they have a story of being like ch child soldiers and all that. So there's a part of her that can connect with Matt that nobody else can. And like that really worked for me because you, you can see that she understands Matt in a different way than Foggy and Karen do. Matt is a very multifaceted uh, character and there's just like this whole side of him that Electra get most. Mm -hmm. You can say it, and I really love how they did that. And the relationship itself, how they were treating each other, was almost perfect. I really, really liked it. I just didn't like the context of how it was being done, like the romantic one. You're right, because actually by the end of the season, their dynamic is actually quite, I wouldn't say healthy, <laughs> because I don't yeah. think Matt and Electra will ever be a healthy relationship. But I think they came to a better understanding of each other and what Definitely. they needed to be in that moment for one yeah. another. I, I completely agree. Uh, there's one of my favorite moments in season two actually comes from their relationship, which is uh, right before the final fight when Matt is trying to convince her to run away with him. And she's calling him out on his bullshit. Like yeah. She's like, you don't want to leave. You love New York. Yeah. And, and yep. this is like... You can see just how much she knows him mm -hmm. because she, she's just like everything that she's saying. She's actually calling him out on what he actually feels. So, yeah, yeah I agree. Like by the end of season two, they really understand each other. I'm thinking about that scene right now, you guys. It's making I, I know, feel, me too. It's making me I know. feel it's lost so inside good. right now. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to see what they would have done with season two if they weren't changing things to fit the defenders mm, um right you know but I, I do love how their relationship grew and they really understood each other it was just it was so special you guys really um you really hashed it out i love those episodes so many aspects of the episodes with him and karen and him and electra i love both women and i love both women with him and the different things that they bring out in him. But, you know, overall, like, I love, because that's that's what we had. But if I could change it, I definitely wish that they would have given both characters room to breathe. And um, as much as I liked that scene where he gets kissed and then comes into his apartment and Electra's there, it was such a great entrance for Electra. But it was like this moment 
really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing this? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I wish it would have been maybe a little more just natural and the, the flow of it and of both relationships. But yeah. I mean, why don't we jump into a little bit of Karen? Because I think there, yeah. might, there might be some more things that we can talk about as far as the way that they're being juxtaposed against each other. But let's let's talk about what we saw of Karen and kind of what we liked about her. All right. So I think before I start like with my thoughts on Karen and everything, one thing I want to say about both Karen and Electra is that they come with expectations and those expectations sometimes work and most of the time we'll say don't. Mm-hmm. Because for Karen, we have to go back all the way back to season one because that's where like the whole thing with Karen started. And like the first thing is the freaking love triangle with Foggy. I hate it. I hate it from the first episode, like on, like it was bad because they made a lot of awkward scenes with Foggy because you could tell from the very beginning that Karen was into Matt, but you know, like Foggy was after her. Mm-hmm. And I know that comes from the comic because oh, yeah. there was this friction between Matt and Foggy yeah. going after Karen at the beginning. But like right now, for me, it only made it so very awkward because mm-hmm. you, you were like, come on, Karen, either like stop him on or like stop going for Matt. It's, it's awful. Right. Well, it was weird because it was also like, um, like I, I saw exactly where they were pulling that from, from those early comics. But it's also like, guys, this is 2015, you know, when this yes. came out, like. Karen can just say, like, no, Foggy, like, let's just be friends, you know, (laughs) like, and it didn't seem like it needed to be dragged out like that, except that it had to be because they needed her to tread water somehow until, you know, Matt was available. I guess it didn't reflect well on Karen, I guess. Yes. Um, I don't know. It was just like, I I kind of forgot that was a love triangle until you you mentioned it, Sam, I think, because I didn't really like like it. So I didn't really want to think about it too much. Yeah, but that's that's the thing, like. Because I really, really, really like Karen the, in like the Netflix version. Mm-hmm. That was awful for me to watch because I was like, mm. this char- the character that I really like, and I see them forcing this that is really not working for anybody because it also like was kind of weird for Foggy, so it didn't work for him either. So yeah, I I always have those early episodes in my mind. I'm like, oh god, damn it, why did they do this? <laughs> And you know what's interesting, too, is like Karen in season one is going through a lot. Oh, yeah. Yes. And it's like in it's like when I think about it, I'm like Karen in season one didn't really need to have anything to do with like she did. She definitely did not need any romantic entanglements because she literally like is dealing with this ongoing trauma all season of having, you know, accidentally made kingpin and a lot of bad people like her enemy she's put a target on her back people have tried to kill her later on Mm -hmm. when she kills west there's just so much happening all season it did there didn't have to be a, a a subplot about her love life yeah i feel like the writers when they are you know bringing an adaptation to the screen they have this fine line to walk out like okay we can make it fresh but also honor the comics. Yeah. But sometimes, especially like with the women and relationships, it's like, what can you leave behind? And I feel like the foggy Karen thing could have been left behind. It was just unnecessary. Um, I didn't mind that, you know, she started showing a little bit that she was into Matt because that's clearly like a big deal in the comics. Um, But the whole foggy thing that, you know, just move on from that. And, 
And again, I feel like that's kind of an issue that we have when men are writing the women yeah. <laughs> in the shows or in the comics. Um, it's like, can't they just be a character? Yeah. And does there always have to be some love entanglement, you know, some issue that they're doing with that? So yeah, like you said, she had a lot of stuff going on. They could have just let her do her thing with Ben, which was super interesting yes. to be yeah. being with. Mm -hmm. And like slowly, because you see on Matt's side, things go well, because at the beginning he shows so interesting her. Like, oh yeah, she, she's like this person that is very nice and is obviously attractive, but he never shows more than that. Like, yeah, she's there. And like... By the end of season one, you can see that he has to start caring for her. I would have much preferred that the same thing happened with uh, Karen. Like, you let the foggy thing go apart. She's doing her things with Ben. And, like, they collided at the end of season one. Right. That would have been better. That way we don't have to go through, like, the touching scene, which was oh. freaking awkward. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for anyone who's not doesn't remember, oh. it's the scene when they're at, is it they're at Mrs. Cardenas's house? And yeah. She asks Foggy to touch her face. That's so <laughs> awful. It was no. awful. <laughs> no, yeah. Super cringe. Super cringe. They could have so easily, like Sam said, let her storyline with Ben be the main driver of her arc that season. But there is still this expectation that she fulfill some kind of love interest role. So yeah. it's like if felt like the writers had to keep reminding us, hey, don't forget, Karen Page and Matt Murdock, they're going to eventually be a thing. We can't let you forget that they that there's a thing there. But it's like <laughs> we know that there's a thing there. Yeah. Because you know, yep. we understand yep. where the comics come from. And we already see that Matt is having a whole separate thing with Claire. So it's like, I think, and we like Claire. So it's like, you know, we would have been okay letting that play out, letting them eventually come back together again with, you know, some mutual interest um, at the end of season one and have the Karen story be the driver of season two. But, you know, I guess on the other hand, season two is sort of the prime example of like, we're going to do everything. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I think the stuff with the women in his life kind of got pulled into that as well. It's like, we're doing everything with everything else. And now we're going to do yeah. everything with these women, too. Ultimately, is really unfair to how they treated both of them in that season, I think. I agree. Like, there's just just like with Electra, there's so many really good scenes with Karen and Susan too, and very mm -hmm. hard touching and very mm -hmm. cute and all of that. Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of problems with it that have to do with the whole pinning her against Electro Finn. I love how they start that off for like the beginning of season two. Like they, they, they are having all these cute moments but the Finn's like neither of them is being truthful about it. And and that's all right because that that's part of the plot. Like you see Karen lying to Matt about her brother being alive, mm. uh, and then mm -hmm. you see obviously Matt is keeping his whole other nightlife away from Karen. So there's all this light stuff I really like, even though it's like heartbreaking mm -hmm. <laughs> from my point of view. It's like when they are in the apartment and they are talking, and then they start talking about vigilantes. And they both stand on the other side of what they actually believe because they have to fill this role, you know, put on this mask mm -hmm. to actually fit with each other at that point because they are lying. 
you can see it like kind of breaking apart, like by its own thing. Like Man is like, oh no, I, 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 what, what their devil is doing is bad. But he's their devil. Yeah. And then you have Karen being like, I don't know, I don't know. Like she can be honest and he can be honest. And I would have loved for that to just be the whole thing. Like they have to grow before they can actually come into a relationship. And we know this. But in the middle of that, they just threw in Electra, and it makes it feel like it was Electra's fault that they fell apart, when it really yeah. wasn't. And that's part of the whole Electra thing. Like, they made her the bad person, even with the relationship with Karen. And that's awful, because no, it was going to end bad, because they were lying from the very beginning. They had to do some soul-searching before they could make it work. Yeah, Absolutely. And when they had a chance to tell the truth, they didn't. And, you know, I, it's just interesting that I love Karen and Electra and seeing how he gets to be a certain Matt with each of them. And, you know, I did like seeing that, that play out. I hated that it was kind of against each other. um, But seeing that, you know, Matt could just kind of let down his guard and, kind of not be daredevil um with karen but then you know he could really be his full daredevil self um and and matt but just like each woman brought something different out in him and i did love seeing that but just not at odds with each other if that makes sense right i don't think it's like um i think it was presented as a very black and white you know like one was definitely a better choice than the other but it's not because of what what we know about matt is that most of his problems is because he compartmentalizes his life to such a degree that he cannot especially in season two he cannot reconcile those sides which is really the only healthy way Exactly. Of living his life, you know. Yep. So it's it's interesting because I think the overarching commentary about Matt is that he can't keep separating his mm-hmm. Matt Murdock side from his Daredevil side. Yet we're also being led to believe that when it comes to like these women that are apparently representing these sides, that there is a right choice and a wrong choice. Yeah. You know, so it is it was weird because it does come at odds with each other, like that Electra represents something bad, but we like him as Daredevil. Yeah. Daredevil being Daredevil is not bad. So Yeah. And, you know, you had Karen who when she finally found out, yeah, a lot of her issues were the fact that Matt kept the secret, mm-hmm. but even after that, she had some issues with his daredeviling. Yeah, and he needs to find out a way to to marry those two sides. Mm-hmm. Like he, anytime he tries to do one or the other, it always ends poorly. Right. And as much as I love Electra, and that she wants him to realize his full self, she also doesn't really want him to have the Matt Murdock you know, attorney life with his friends. And he really needs that. Um, so each woman doesn't really present the best option either way. Like, you know, it's only half of him. At least I'm up to the point that we saw them because, uh, I mean, the whole season three is Matt coming on his own to like finally, finally fashion like both his mad self and his third double self so at the end of season three is when we finally see Matt come in like to be Matt murder with all the baggage that brings in and we see Foggy accepting him who has been so reluctant of the third double side before that and we also see like Karen finally coming clean with him like 
oh yeah, I'm a murderer. I killed my brother. I killed yeah. Yeah. Wesley, you know. Mm-hmm. Now they know each other. Like now they are finally being truthful. Sadly, we don't see what that means for Electra because obviously we didn't have Electra on season three. Like, will she have been able to accept also like the part of Matt that just want to be helping people while lawyering and like enjoy a evening uh, drinking with his friends? Maybe she will have, but like sadly we can know that because we didn't have Electra. But I think that's that's where the current and the relationship with Matt actually begins kind of ends because before you had this mask that they were wearing and they weren't really being themselves. And now season four is when we will have actually seen whether they could work together or they couldn't. And and again, I think um you know, it was very much like a Matt, I think you need to like figure yourself out first before you can be with somebody, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, so, absolutely. So which is why I, I kind of wish, you know, again, it's it's funny because this is an episode about love interests, but it's like, you know, I almost wish that they hadn't put so much emphasis on Karen and Electra having to carry that weight <laughs> in yes. season yeah. two when ultimately it was kind of on Matt. The the women were just a very convenient excuse for when things didn't quite go the way Matt wanted them to. Um, either, oh, Electra did something bad, you know, that's not what I wanted, or ooh, Karen is not giving me the opinion that I want her to be giving me, you know, or Karen's yeah. not doing what I think she should be doing. This might be like a, you know, an interesting place to talk a little bit about really how Matt treats the two of them. We are talking about love interests and we're talking about women and we're kind of focused on what the women have done, you know, but I think ultimately this whole thing revolves around Matt and he's not like the best boyfriend or the best partner for a lot of this either. But, well, you can see that Matt is like lying to both of them and like, you know, he's lying to Karen about being their devil, but he's also like lying to Electra about what he wants from the other side of him. And like, because of what we told before of um, her calling him out during the last scene before the fight. So Matt is not being truthful to himself either. Yeah, He needs to do like I said before, some soul searching. And that is why his relationships don't work either. Like it's not only, oh, because Electra this or Karen that or whatever. It was like he needed to find himself mm-hmm. before he could work with them. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how I take it. And it's just like it took Matt a, a time because he has issues from his past, of course, but also it's like a complicated situation because this is a vigilante you know, it's not something easy to work through. So, so I completely get mad, but it just was bad timing with the girls, <laughs> I guess. Um, since we talk about the issues of with Karen's relationship, uh, then we should also talk like what work, put a bit of emphasis on that, I guess, because I think what I like the best of Matt and Karen's relationship is that they are more similar than either of them wants to admit because like we were talking about um Electra being the bad girl and Karen being the good girl and I was like that's not true for Karen and you know that from season one like she has some biases that are really 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 dark you see her how she kills Wesley and like she's lying trying to get her way in some parts of season one she's a good person but 
she is also not a, a saint. Like how much um, I think Matt described her as such at one point. She she called him like she called her a saint. And then you see that expectation that Matt put on her, unfairly so in a way, uh, waiting on her in season three when she's like Matt is like why didn't you tell me about about Wesley? She's like the way she he was treating her. She liked it, like being treated like she was a good person. And she was scared of it. Like if she was honest with him about all this dark side that she also had, like he will be disgusted or something, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, she didn't know Electra, but that kind of did pan out in Electra's case. Oh, she's a killer. She has a dark side. I can't accept that about you. That is something that comes from the comics as far as Matt is always going to be on the side of, you know, I'm not, I don't kill, you know, I'm, yep. I'm doing good because you're a killer, you're doing bad, you know, so th- this has borne out in a, in a negative way <laughs> for Electra. So I kind of can't blame Kara and the character for having those same fears because yep. Matt does have very high expectations for the people mm-hmm. in his life. He has always put Karen on a pedestal, even though it hasn't been deserved. You know, I think what is so interesting about Karen is that she makes a lot of mistakes <laughs> and mm-hmm. but she's trying to do the right thing but she makes so many mistakes trying to do the right thing and that is something that relates to Matt he's trying mm-hmm. so hard to do the right thing but he oftentimes doesn't do it the right way and so but i think for him because he's always so in his head you know he can't have these things affecting his friends he never really considered that you know Karen could have been dealing with a similar sort of um problem in her life he just sees her as this like crusading do-gooder um without seeing all the all the messy stuff that comes with it and i think he realizes that um like in season three and that the, the crypt scene, because you can see yeah. his face like when she tells him, like, I, I just wanted you to treat me the same way, you know, to be nice with me and stuff. And you can see his face like he goes like, oh, fuck, I fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, and I feel like that growth that he had on season three, even with Karen, probably will have also affected his relationship. We'll say with all the other women that he had, like even with Claire, because he was putting expectations that, probably they didn't deserve yeah. on them. And I think he realized it finally. I Yeah. And I, I think you, you see that too in um, like his reconciliation with, with Maggie at the end too. I think there yeah. is definitely like yeah. a shift yeah. in his perception of how he might've been treating the women in his life. So that would have been really cool, I think, to be able to see that across the spectrum. You know, yes. if we could have seen him talking to Claire could have seen something with Electra. Um, this might be a good transition um, just before we wrap up this episode to talk about if we are to see these women in live action again, what would we want to see done differently? Because I, I think we have to assume some level of it will not pick up exactly from where it left off. But I think also just because a lot has changed in the last six years. I think there might just be a different approach to how they decide to write these characters. So any thoughts? Yeah. You know, I was really excited in season three when so many conversations happened. I say that so many issues really are born out of a lack of communication. Mm. Um, I was a communication major. (laughs) So I'm very like, why is nobody communicating? Um, But I do feel like in, in terms of the future of Karen, for instance, Eric Olson 
started to do a really good job with Karen in that the way he structured season three was everybody is the hero of their own story. We started to focus on like Karen, like more as Karen as a person and not just a love interest. So going into future seasons or I'm hoping whatever Disney does with the future of these characters, I do really hope that we see um, the same iteration, Karen and Electra coming back, whatever that looks like. I do hope they still like keep the, the essence of the characters um, and like with Karen kind of like building on, I feel like what Eric had started. I'm assuming we're going to time jump if they do bring them back. And she's confident in herself and she's, you know, she has something to bring to the table as um, an equal part of the team. I mean, I would love to see more romantic relationship, maybe down the road, maybe not, but just really flesh out her character and see um, all just like working together uh, and communicating and her really accepting of the whole situation with Daredevil. For Karen, I will just, like Lauren said, I would love for them to pick up, like assuming a time job, pick up in a place where they are more mature in their relationship, not like not only Matt and Karen, but also like Matt, Foggy and Karen, because, you know, they had so many misunderstandings in season one, season two and beginning of season three. Mm-hmm. So I just hope like if when they pick up, we don't have to go through that again. Like we don't have to see them like headbutting about their devil and all that. Now let them have a, a healthier relationship, please. We already saw that, that all the troubles before. Right. For Electra. I want her to come back and actually see her coming on her own as a character because we didn't see that in either season two or the Defenders because she was serving for the plot most of the time. So I want to see her standing on her own and see how her relationship with Matt will be like that because like when she doesn't have to serve like um the plot for the hand or yeah. just like a relationship right. element that is being pitted against Karen I want to see that like I'm Electra I'm super cool and this is how we treat treat each other now right uh, that's what I want and for Claire I also want to see her come back and I want to see more of the relationship because those moments were precious so I do hope they come back and we can see her like now interacting with a man that is more comfortable on his own skin. But yeah, those are my expectations moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think you make you make a good point about the fact that Electra has always just kind of been there to serve the plot. And I think that is in a way how she was in the early comics. Um, and I think that's kind of been like a long struggle in the comics writing of her, you know, how to make her into her own person. And I think that there is a great opportunity if she does return to live action to really let us dive fully into what makes her such an amazing, complex character and to have this whole thing with Matt not be, it's not the main driving factor of her story anymore. You know, I, I think that she's, first of all, she's been fridged twice in, in the uh. Daredevil and Defender series themselves. You know, it's about time for her to like be allowed to stand on her own and be able to carry stories on her own without having them affect Matt or affect Daredevil or affect someone else's grand plan. Um, Generally speaking, though, for all the women, I just would, you know, obviously there's always going to be some um, element of 
love and romance, especially because these ladies come with a history, not only from the comics now, but also from the show. So I, I don't expect that to ever fully fall away. But I think that in 2021, now in like the now times, I think there can be ways to write Matt having like healthy friendships with women, yeah. you know? He's probably still going to be Matt and he's probably still not going to he's not going to ask for all the help he needs when he needs it. But like, let's have the woman in his life be more open about like calling him out and, yeah. you know, being there for him, not just as a love interest, but as a friend, as a support, as um, a confidant. You know, I want to see just an evolution in how they write his interactions with women in the future overall. You know, I just think that. Daredevil's world has always been very like male focused um, and I would mm -hmm. love to see that just us not being so in just that perspective. I get it. Like it would be nice to see more females show up, whether it's in the comics or in the show that aren't just there for a romantic purpose. I would like to see that. And whether or not it's Karen or Electra, I mean, you know, I would be lying to say that I didn't enjoy the romantic aspect of these. You know, I love a good love story, but when it's every single woman that shows up in Matt's life has to be in a romantic relationship, it kind of makes you question, like, what is the point of every woman that walks onto the screen or into the page? Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I would love to see them treat women a little more just as, like, full characters and, you know, as full as they treat the men yeah <laughs> a lot of times um but yeah we'll see it's uh there are more comics coming you know we're love chip i'm loving chips run mm. um but also i just i'm really hoping for season four or whatever comes a right in the future you know we had found out last summer during save daredevil con that typhoid mary would have been a part of daredevil season four and obviously now we know that echo is being introduced yes in the hawkeye show so there's actually a lot of like women that have come into contact with matt and daredevil you know in the comics that we haven't seen on screen and i don't necessarily i'm not saying that these need to cross paths with him now and become love interests, but I would just love to see them interact. I think that there's just, there are a lot of really interesting characters in Matt's stories and I just want to see more of in the future. So definitely. And if Disney is listening, I would like to say I love Echo and I believe the girl that they have cast as Echo is very young. Yeah. And Charlie is, you know, late thirties. So this is a great time to develop a relationship here that is purely platonic mm. like this would be really great but it doesn't have to be they they could oh even he, though he's older like, what? A, like a mentor like a mentor type yeah. relationship because they both have you know a, not a, obviously not the same disability mm -hmm. but they are mm -hmm. coming at it from a similar perspective place yeah. definitely yeah Charlie Smart could be somebody that she looks up to. Mm -hmm. And then that's like a perfectly normal relationship yes. to have. And like, it could be a great platonic relationship. But I agree with Lauren. Like, I hope we see more of the um, female characters of the comic coming into their double mm -hmm. and like crossing path with him. Mm -hmm. But I surely hope not to see them becoming romantically involved because we already had so much package to just with Electra and Karen. Mm -hmm. And I don't need like every freaking female character yeah. to come be like, oh <laughs> like, yeah, I want to go in bed with you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel no. like 
I would have loved to see typhoid come, but maybe not necessarily with the the full impact of her yeah, <laughs> yeah storyline. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, but we'll see what the future holds. It's funny that, you know, we're ending this love interest pod with we like the love interest, but like you can also pull back on it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But but I think that just goes to it is a statement on Matt as a character has had such a very interesting romantic history and they've done some pretty cool things in bringing some of that to life on screen. But, you know, it also doesn't need to be the only reason why we have interesting female characters. Exactly. As women on this team, that is just a bit of the the perspective that we bring to this. You know, we love it, but we also are like, we can have more as well. Yep. It doesn't, it, it can be cool and romantic and flirty, and also it can be something else. Well, we really appreciate you guys listening to us today. Um, once again, if you aren't following us on social media, you can do that at Renew Daredevil on Twitter and Save Daredevil everywhere else. If you're listening to this on YouTube, feel free to drop up some comments. Um, we'd love to hear your perspective on Matt's very interesting and varied love life. And, you know, just to hear what you guys thought about how they did it on the show. So I guess that's it. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign. For more information on Save Daredevil, please visit our website at savedaredevil.com. Remember, Murdoch's always get back up.